I don't think so. I think if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into the picture. I just don't. Now, not many people are fans of what comes out of Trump's mouth. Not many people agree with what Trump says on a whole lot of things. But when it comes to what Trump says here about religion, I think many people agree with him. Many people think if you want to get into God's good book, religion is the key. Be a religious person, do religious things, and you'll end up in heaven. Now, I'm not sure what religious means for Trump, but I suspect for many people it means things like going to church every now and then and doing churchy things like taking the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper. It means things like praying and reading the Bible and giving to charity. It means having a Christian wedding. It means baptizing your children and sending them to a Christian school. Now, of course, these don't sound like bad things to do, do they? In fact, they sound like pretty good things to do. They sound like the kind of things that you need to do to get into God's good book, which is why religion can be so dangerous. You know, our world gives all sorts of reasons why religion is dangerous. Some reasons are true. Some reasons are false. But none of them are the heart reason, the core reason, why religion is dangerous. Today is the first of four sermons, as Huey has already introduced, where we're looking at some big questions of life. They're really annoying questions because they force us to rethink what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. They're annoying questions, but they're really important questions because the answers have the potential to change your life. We're looking for the answers to these questions in four real-life stories of people who met with Jesus face-to-face. These were people who were confused about God. They thought they were heading down the right track, but actually they were on the wrong track. And they meet Jesus, and Jesus clears up their thinking. We're going to look for the answer to why religion is dangerous in John chapter 3, where Jesus meets a man who's extremely religious. He looks like the kind of guy who's on the right track, but he's on the wrong track. He looks like the kind of guy who is what God wants, but Jesus tells him that he's completely wrong, that he's still in the dark. So let's take a closer look at this passage under two headings. First, let's look at the root problem. In verse 1, we meet Nicodemus. Now, John tells us that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious teacher. He was the sort of person who loved keeping rules, making rules, and teaching rules. You name it, Nicodemus loved rules. John also tells us that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. Uh, This means that he was a high court judge of Israel. In other words, he was a man who was a religious expert of the highest standing. When it came to all things religion, Nicodemus was as religious as they came. So you can kind of understand why Nicodemus is so curious when uh, about this guy called Jesus, the newest religious teacher in town. Because out of nowhere, Jesus had burst onto the religious scene and began making a name for himself. 
He was attracting huge crowds with his miracles and signs. He was doing uh, amazing things like turning water into wine. He was doing things that no one else could do, things that only God can do. So it was clear that Jesus was no ordinary teacher. And Nicodemus recognized this. So he comes to Jesus at night and he says in verse 2, We know that you are a teacher come from God. You see, Nicodemus believes that he can see something of who Jesus is from the miracles. But Jesus doesn't say what we expect him to say. He doesn't say, Nicodemus, you are so insightful. You get it. You get who I am. Instead, he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Unless Nicodemus is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, put simply, where God is in charge. Now, God is in charge of the whole universe because he created all things. So in that sense, the kingdom of God is everywhere. It's the whole universe. And everyone is in God's kingdom, whether they accept it or not. But the Bible also speaks about the kingdom of God in another sense, in a more specific sense. The Bible speaks about it as the place where God, God is in charge of those who belong to him. It's the place where God's people enjoy salvation and blessing and peace and eternal life. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 3. He's talking about the kingdom of salvation and peace and eternal life. And unless Nicodemus is born again, he cannot see or enter this kingdom. Nicodemus is still in the dark about God. Now think about that for just a moment. Don't you think that's an astonishing thing to say to a man like Nicodemus? Nicodemus has spent his whole life listening to God, obeying God's rules. He's dotted every I and crossed every T. Nicodemus is a religious man of God. How can Jesus say something like this? Why does Jesus suggest that Nicodemus isn't in God's kingdom and that Nicodemus needs to be born again in order to enter it? The reason is because Jesus knows Nicodemus's true spiritual condition. You see, he may be religiously impressive, but he's actually spiritually dead. He looks like he's in great shape on the outside, but he's got a really big problem on the inside. He's lifeless, and he needs new spiritual life breathed into him. He needs to be born again. The root problem Nicodemus has is this thing the Bible calls sin. Sin is putting yourself in charge of your own life. It's calling the shots for, your for yourself instead of listening to God. Does that sound familiar at all? Because sin is something we're all guilty of one way or another. It's the root problem we all have. Now, most people, when they think about sin, they think of the irreligious person. You see, the irreligious person doesn't care about what God thinks, doesn't care about God and his rules for living in his world. They think they know better. So they call the shots 
and they make up the rules to live by. The religious, irreligious person is clearly a sinner, but so is the religious person. Only it's not as obvious, it's a little bit more subtle. You see, the, relig the religious person seeks to obey God's rules. They look like they're listening to God and living his way, but he's their sin. They live as if God owes them something in return for their obedience. They say to God, God, look at me. I've obeyed all your rules. Look at how righteous I am. I think you owe me salvation. I think you owe me eternal life. I think you owe me a place in your kingdom. So now who's calling the shots? The religious person is just as guilty of sin as the irreligious person is. The religious person is just as guilty of putting themselves in God's place. And because of sin, we all face God's judgment. No matter how religious we may be, we face physical death and eternal condemnation. So in other words, you may be born into a Christian family and go to church all your life. You may have ticked Christian on all the forms. You may read your Bible and say your prayers. You may even be a teacher of the Bible. You may be a very religious person and do a heap of religious things, yet still be spiritually dead. So can you see the true danger of religion? Religion can make us think that we're in great shape when actually we have a terminal illness. Religion can make us think that we're right with God when actually we're under his condemnation. Religion can make us think we're on the right track when actually we're on the wrong track. It's very easy to confuse outward religiosity with an inward spiritual life. Religion is dangerous when it blinds us to our root problem, which is sin and spiritual lifelessness. And this brings us to the second heading, a radical solution. A big problem needs a big solution. And the big solution to our problem is rebirth. What Nicodemus needs, and what you and I need too, is not more religion, but a whole new life. We need to be born again. Now, what do you think of when you hear the need to be born again? You may have heard the label born-again Christian being thrown around. What do you think of when you hear that someone is a born-again Christian? It's a phrase that carries a lot of cultural baggage these days. Now, some people think that to be born again means to seek for a higher spiritual experience. You know, there's the regular Christians, and then there's the born-again Christians. Regular Christians don't have God's Spirit, but the born-again Christians do. So only born-again Christians have a deeper relationship with God. They have special religious experiences, like speaking in other languages and laughing and crying uncontrollably. Other people think that to be born again means to turn your life around. Born-again Christians are those who used to live wild, messed-up lives, but they've turned their life around and gotten their act together. 
They've stopped partying and drinking and things like that, and they go to church now. They've been born again. But we're interested in what Jesus means. What does Jesus mean when he says that we need to be born again? And the clue is in verse 5. Have a look at verse 5. Jesus says, Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, that clears everything up, doesn't it? That's simple. We can all go home now. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about something God promised a long time ago. It's a promise that features water and spirit, and it's an amazing promise. God said that one day he would wash his people clean from their sin, and God said he would give his people a new heart and a new spirit. So when Jesus talks here to Nicodemus about being born of the water and the spirit, he's thinking about this promise, this promise that God made a long time ago. Jesus is talking about a very radical transformation. He's talking about the purging away of sin and the creation of a whole new nature in us. This is not some small DIY project. This is a a total knockdown and rebuild. And this radical transformation, this knockdown and rebuild, is not something we do. It's something that God does. Because just think about it. What exactly did you do to be born into the world? Did you decide to be born? Did you earn the right to be born? Did you cooperate in being born? The answers are no, no, and no. You owed your birth to your parents. And so it is with spiritual rebirth. It's not 50% God's work and 50% my work. It's not 90% God's work and 10% my work. You know it's not even 99% God's work and 1% my work. The new birth is 100% God's work because, remember, we are spiritually dead and dead people can't help themselves. Now, NRMA has a new ad campaign called Help is Who We Are. You might have seen that around. The ad celebrates our commitment as Australians to helping each other. It's who we are. The spirit of help is the Australian spirit. Australians have always helped each other. That's how we like to think of ourselves. We like to think we can help ourselves. And this is how we think of religion. We think being a religious person and doing religious things can help us get into heaven. We think we don't need to bring God into the picture or ask for his forgiveness, which is why religion is dangerous, because it blinds us to our need for a spiritual rebirth. We look to religion for self-help, but Jesus says we need to look to God for his help. Help is not who we are. Help is who God is. And this is what makes verse 7, you must be born again, a most unpopular verse. Because we don't like being told that we can't help ourselves, that we can't save ourselves. We don't like being told that only God can save us, that we must rely on him 
to be born again. Verse 7 is a verse that people don't want to hear. But it's a verse we need to hear first. And it's only when we hear this most unpopular verse that we can hear the most popular verse in the Bible. What is the most popular, most well-known, most quoted verse in the Bible? From this gospel, from this chapter, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now isn't that a wonderful verse? It's only when we understand John chapter 3, verse 7, that we need God's help, that we can understand John chapter 3, verse 16, that God's help has come. Because God has made the new birth possible by giving his Son. God sent Jesus into the world to be our Saviour. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to bear that condemnation that you and I deserve. And after three days, God raised Jesus back to life and put him in charge of his eternal kingdom. God's help has come in Jesus. He is the one who gives the new birth that is needed to enter God's kingdom. And we receive the new birth by putting our trust in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's not that doing religious things is bad. I began today by saying that actually these things are really good things to do. It's good to go to church and to read your Bible and to pray. In fact, these are good things I encourage every Christian person to do. The danger is when you look to these things as the way to earn your salvation, rather than as a response to what God has done for you. The danger is when you trust in these things to save you, Instead of, tr instead of trusting in Jesus as your Savior. So let me ask you this today. Will you turn to Jesus and put your trust in him? Will you turn from trusting in being religious and turn to trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection? Will you turn from trusting in your religious good works to trusting in Jesus' finished work on the cross? Will you turn from trusting in religion to trusting in the Saviour? This is something I'll leave for you to consider as the music team comes to lead us in our next song. And if this is something that you would like to do today, to turn from religiosity to turning to Jesus, if you would like to commit your life to Jesus today, our Minister Huey is going to come up after the song and lead us in a prayer that expresses that commitment. My hope in prayer is that you'll pray that prayer today.